Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel, they do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever, drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word. I'm Jim Duggan, got long wood for plenty hoes. I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know. You suckers bum me, I'm money, I got a ton of flows. My weed loud like a motherfucking thunder roll. Your shit quiet like you ballin' on a budget though. We see your kicks and we laugh and yell about it though. You see me shining like a suit on puppy. You know my grind and shit is too strong, buddy. That's why the dude call money. I be stuntin' like it's nothing at all. Cause it's nothing to me, it's probably something to y'all. Trying to smoke like me, then come and fuck with your dog. Got a closet full of kicks, you can't cop it tomorrow. And I'm fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence. Bitch, you see the way I'm rapping? Yes, I do this shit to death. I tell I'm running out of breath. I tell somebody cut a check. But either way, you know it's fresh. But either way, you know it's fresh. Fresh. We fresh. 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh of the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. Through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foulmouth for the theme music for Fresh is the Word. And if you would like to support the podcast, you can always go to freshisthepodcast.com and just share any of the links for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh is the Word pretty much anywhere that podcasts are streamed. And that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, pretty much everywhere. And please, rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It would definitely help out the show. If you want to contact me, you can always reach me by email at djkfresh at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and on facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh and you can also follow fresh is the word on twitter at fresh is the word and that's is with iz instagram at fresh is the word podcast and facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast and this is episode 169 the guest for this episode is st louis based comic book artist and illustrator marie anger anger is known for such titles as Patagon, and Casketland, and a member of the HEK Studios Collective. 
This was easily one of the funnest interviews I've done for Fresh of the Word. During our chat, we talked about moshing to get out stress and just going to concerts, her artistic crisis, her bird who you could hear in the background the entire interview, and various animal poop. Working a variety of projects, bad behavior, the importance of a community of creatives, her love of the electronic music artist Clayton, and the idea to have a rave music party based on his music, and the music we love. Before we get into this interview with Marie Anger, definitely want to remind you how you can support Fresh of the Word. I'm on Patreon now at patreon.com slash fresh of the word. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can support Fresh of the Word. And for the $3 a month tier, I dig deep into my audio archives for interviews outside of Fresh of the Word that I've done for the past decade or so. Those interviews for, were for a variety of publications, usually for Huffington Post and Real Detroit Weekly. And then some weren't even used at all. So there is some really, really exclusive um, audio footage that I was able to, uh, that I can bring to you in these Patreon-only exclusive interviews. So go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word and check out all the tiers that are available and support if you can. There is tiers where you can be a supporter and be a part of the podcast. So once again, go to patreon.com slash fresh of the word. All right, let's get into the interview with comic book artist and illustrator Marie Anger. Well, thank you for getting up early to do this for me. I'm sorry that it didn't work out last weekend. Are you feeling better? Yeah, it was just like one of those days where I was just like, dude, everything just was not working out all day. And yeah. I was just like, it got to the point where like, you know what, I'm just going to cancel the rest of the day. <laughs> and then I ended up just going right to sleep right after that. <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh, you took, like, an angry nap is what you did. Yeah, I basically just, like, was... It, it wouldn't... Like, if we tried to do an interview last that last time, it just... Something wouldn't have worked out. I just know it. So I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to cancel it, and then we'll do it another time when everything just is a lot better for me. <laughs> I'm glad shit's better now. Well, I hope shit's better now. Oh, it is a lot better. Like, I... I kind of got out of my funk that was going on probably like the next day uh, by by moshing at a metal concert. Shit. I'm about to do the pup show, and I'm hoping that I get some of my shit out in the pit too. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing like just getting that extra shit out around other people getting shit out. Right. It was just like as soon as I got there, because I went to see Whitechapel and Dying Fetus. And as soon as I got there, I looked and I'm like, and I don't, and I don't, I don't do the pit. And I was just like, you know what? I need to go into the pit tonight. (laughs) (laughs) And it felt so good afterwards. I was like, oh dude, I needed that. (laughs) I've only been in one pit where shit went south so hard. And it was at a rat attack concert, (laughs) which was super weird because I didn't expect there to be like a pit developing there. Right. But it was basically just like all these basic Pinterest chicks rolling on something, I don't know, stomping and crying and yelling and being weird. It was so weird. So, like, punk and metal heads, you know what you're getting into, but this crowd seemed pretty benign. <laughs> like everything kicked in, and then they were the worst. 
<laughs> no, the funny thing was at the at the White Chapel show, it was like the women who are being the biggest dicks, like in the pit. It was it was funny. <laughs> I had never like I've only ever been to like respectful pits where like if you want to get out, you can get out. Right. Even like the crazy ones, like you can always go to the sides and be fine. But like, so we went to this Ratatat show. Me, my partner Rob, and my friend Maya, and I'm the tallest out of the three by about three, four inches. And so we like, we got down there, we got in the pit, everything was good. And as soon as these fucking women came in, that sounds so, that sounds so misogynistic and rude. These basic chicks. All right. These basic chicks came in and they were just sweating and rolling really hard. And so like the whole show, they were like kicking my partner Rob in the back and fucking, I have these like, uh, at the time I had these like this colic that I would spike up into astro boy points it was very stupid but i liked it and so they kept pulling on my hair and digging their hands in my friend's hair and what I, the longest but at the, at one point i was like if they fucking pull on my hair again i'm stepping on their feet i can't do this anymore whoa this shit's, oh, this shit's over right for the most part there were some cool chicks in the pit though but there was like a few that i'm like like i saw this one chick like this total i don't know what this dude did to her but he he continued to be in the pit all night. But this one dude, like this one chick, like like was straight up like choking him, dude. And I'm was like, it, whoa, like, what the hell just happened? Everybody around just looking at it, at this going on, like, uh, that was weird. Like fetish shit or anger shit, because either way, bad. But like, one at least like consensual, I guess. I don't but, know. But the guy that was that was getting choked, he like continued to be in the pit. For the rest of the night, so obviously I don't think he did anything disrespectful for anybody else to be like, "Yo, you know, get the fuck out of here," you know. What the fuck? <laughs> it was the weirdest weird. shit. I'm like, everybody was just, like, everybody that was witnessing it was like super, like, uncomfortable, like watching it. Like, yeah, I would be. <laughs> um, what just happened? Because because she was like choking. She was like choking him with like. With her forearm, like had her forearm, like totally under. It had been a sex thing if they kept doing it. If he kept going back to her. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they knew each other or not, but it was just like super weird. We're like, um, okay. But yeah, there was a few. There's a few chicks in the pit that were like kind of rough, like like whoa, you guys chill out. Like there was like this really big dude, like big muscular dude, and he yeah. accidentally like just pushed a smaller dude over because he didn't really know his own uh, strength, and yeah. he realized that at, as soon as it happened, went over there, picked him up, and hugged him. Was like, I'm sorry, oh. man, I'm sorry. I fucking, I fucking love when a pit's just like that. That exactly. Yeah, everybody was cool, and that's why I, 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 when I saw it, like when I got in there, I could feel that vibe, and I was like, you know what? I need to go into this pit tonight because things are weird in my life right now. I'm in this weird mental rut and this mental funk, and I think this might help it out. And I felt really good afterwards. I was like, yeah, that's what I needed. I, yeah, there's nothing like going to a good show to, to push that out. Because if nothing else, like you're, you get lost in the moment and you forget. Yes, that's how it felt. Yeah. Like you just forget, like you're one. This sounds so fucking weird. I'm just going to say it anyway because I'm weird anyway. But yeah, like, ahead. you forget that you're an individual and you just become a part of the bigger crowd. So that's like when a bad pit is bad, it's the worst. Oh, yes. Stuck in that. And you're like, oh, now the fucking show is ruined. I can't stop thinking about this mess. 
But there was like, I did a, a hollow mass show with my brother about, God, almost 10 years ago, which is so crazy. Um, and it was one of the best experiences I had ever had. Like it was truly like one of those nights that I look back on and I think, Oh wow. It's like one of the best nights of my life because everyone was so excited to be there and was so like kind to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was great. It was so wonderful. And then I think about the time I went and saw Skrillex and had to endure that whole situation. (laughs) And it's so uh, weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Which like concerts will like, have like a cool crowd and some that won't like you'll think like you'll go to some like really dumb like like dumb like metalcore show and you'll think it'll just be around a bunch of weird kids but then they're like the coolest crowd but then you go to like something that's a little bit maybe more you know serious rock or whatever and those people will be the most dicks you know yeah well i think that's like the big issue that i always had with shows was like going to shows that were more quote-unquote mainstream because for me, like, the big thing, like, when you're going into a huge crowd of people, like, you are going to touch people. It is going to be a situation. Yeah. And all of the punks and, and metalheads and shit like that, they respect boundaries, you know? Like, yes. no, it's the consensual thing almost 100% of the time. I've been to a couple shows where there's been one or two people who have been kind of awful about it. Right. But by and large, it's, like, a really safe place. And so it was weird going to these mainstream shows and seeing, like, a bunch of skeevy, like, bros getting up on these women and a bunch of, like, weird a bunch of like weird, crazy, dangerous drug use, like yeah, and that like it was it was just like I've I've been to shows like one of the World Inferno shows I went to in like 2011 I think, like there were two people in the pit shooting up heroin, like it was a what super like weird thing to see, and I remember like very clearly like Jack like pointing he was like, oh shit. Sorry, uh, my bird's just going to do this, like, the whole time. Oh, no, that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, he, he really likes disembodied voices. He loves Skype, so he'll he'll sing the whole time, probably. Um, Go ahead. It'll be a nice atmosphere to it. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, Jack, like, points out into the pit, and he's like, what? And everyone just, like, boom, to the side and got those people out. But they at least stuck, <laughs> stuck to themselves. Like, when I would go to, like, these these bigger, more, like, my, my big thing is, like, I'll always go to a show with someone if they want to go. Because even a bad show is a good show. Like, you get a story out of it. Yeah. And so I've been to some real fucking places that I did not belong. I definitely thought Skrillex was going to be more of an industrial crowd. So when I walked in there and I was like, ooh, this is like a sweaty underpants rave. <laughs> really disappointed. But it was weird because, like, you know, I'd been to all these, like, quote-unquote hardcore shows or, like, punk shows or places where, like, you know, people theoretically think that shit would go down. And before we got even into the venue for the Skrillex show, we saw, like, four people being loaded out on ambulances. Like, it was crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. People were just fucking nuts. And I was like, just... It was like this moment where all these uptight folks cut loose, and they cut loose in a really dangerous way. Yeah. And it just made the whole the whole pit thing a little bit... We- it was just weird. It was just fucking weird. Yeah, there's some people that just don't know how to act, like, when they finally go out and do so, do stuff. Yeah. And it, like, it just creates a whole weird vibe. I remember here in Detroit going to see um, the band In This Moment last year. Oh. And it was weird because everybody that was there that we – because uh, I ran into a friend of mine. Every time – everybody that we met was from a city that I have no idea where I was from. 
even maybe even another state like Ohio. And it was like everybody was coming from like an hour or two or three away. And everybody there, it was just a weird vibe. Like people were getting into fights. There's people that were drunk like during the first like band that played. It was just like all this weird vibe going on. And I'm like, dude, none of these people know how to deal with going to a show. Yeah, not at all. <laughs> Like, I'll be honest, I like them, but I would not drive out of state to see them. Like, <laughs> so, like, part of me is like, why the fuck did they come from Ohio as far away? No, no, it was everybody that we that we met. They came from so far away to see them, and I'm like, yo, this is weird. I know, I know they come. I know they tour a lot, though. They, they <laughs> and they're good, but I'm like, it also like for me, I'd be like, eh, I'll, I'll see when they like come closer. Like, I would not drive from Ohio. I didn't know you were in Detroit, yeah. Michigan, to go do that. Like, that's got to be like, I don't know. I don't know where Ohio and Detroit are truly. My my sense of space kind of fucked up. Right. So it seems like it'd be like 10 hours. Is that no, unreasonable? It, no, like the northern part of Ohio would be like an hour or so from well, Ohio. But shit, now I feel I feel less weird about it. Like, that's far, but that's, I, I definitely thought it was far. No, no, it, Ohio's just below Michigan, so it's just like... Those people would probably be like two or three hours that we were talking to where they're coming from. But there's people coming from other parts of Michigan that are a couple hours away. And I'm just like, I know in this moment comes closer, you know. But all these people were just weird. Everybody around you was just like, like not, was not in a jovial mood, man. It was just like, this is weird, man. I would go to a show. <laughs> Like if you're like, I don't want to be, I'm pissed. Off. I don't know. I love, I love, I love going to live shows. I do, and so it always bugs me out when people, people don't, or people come into it in a bad way. Because it's just like you, you're, you're amped up for months, right? You're so well, or weeks, I guess. It depends on like how big the show is. Yeah. Like you get amped up, like you get excited. Like I, I've been fucking looking forward to go seeing Pop in Chicago for like months now i'm just really excited I'm like ah, oh, this is gonna be a great show good people but like if you get there and you're like ah, oh, fuck it i'm having a bad day i can't let it go then it, it's just like all that all those months of being excited for nothing right just wasted oh <laughs> i'm sorry about that sorry that we like well i guess i'm not really sorry because we're probably gonna waylay into it anyway but just music talk no i've been i've been rolling this whole conversation oh. anyways and this is great this is great podcast talk, you know, instead of like the same old stuff, you know. That was actually like some good conversation. <laughs> I'm really excited. Like I, no, I just wanted to make sure that you know. I'm glad that you went and saw a show. I'm glad you got the funk out. Yeah, dude. It was, oh yeah, it just, it just, it was just something that I needed. And now I'm like, okay, I kind of want to do that on a regular basis now, but not yeah. get injured. <laughs> oh, that's a man. A buddy of mine just got her rib bruised in a in, in a pup show up in Brooklyn or New York or somewhere up there, and she was telling me it was like her first pit injury. And I was telling her like when I went to this this Hollow Mass show with my brother, like I think it was like 2011 maybe. Uh, I got hit in the nose really really hard, and I was uh, too drunk to understand what had happened, and so I continued. And then when we got on the plane, I was like, man, I'm hungover, but like. My nose feels weird, and that usually doesn't happen when I'm hungover. And uh, it wouldn't stop bleeding and getting really fucked up for a while, and oh. it hurt real bad. And I was like, did I fucking break my nose in this pit? Like, I remember getting hit, but I didn't think it had done that much damage. 
And so I sat on it for like a week, which is, you know, if it was truly broken, probably would have not been a, a great plan. Right. Um, but then I went to the doctor and it turns out I just had like a massive sinus infection, which is like a whole different beast, but it just didn't help getting hit there. After that, like I went home and I was thinking, man, you know, like, I got to be careful next time I'm getting older. I only got one face. It's <laughs> not that good. So it has to like maintain what it, how it looks now. And I was telling this to my partner and he's like, you know, you also have incredibly thick glasses with lenses that are made of glass that you need to see out of desperately. <laughs> I'm like, I am like blind without them. Like very, very, I'm blind in my left eye, legally blind in my left eye. Um, and so I, I need them to work so I can maneuver. Right. Like, oh shit. I'd never thought about that. But now every time I go into a pit, I'm always like really careful about my face and my glasses. I'm like, I can't, I can't lose my glasses. I can't get hit in the face. What if the glass comes in and cuts out my eye, which honestly is probably what will happen one day. You know, you, you become what you draw and I guess I'll lose an eye one day. But <laughs> I know it. Look, if it's going to be an eye, I'd rather the left eye get a bunch of shards of glass into it because it's already kind of shit anyway. <laughs> so at least now I get a cool eye patch out of it instead of just like very, very poor night vision. <laughs> and I don't things at all. I remember one, this is probably about like four or five years ago. I was, I went to a show. It was, um, the rap group twisted and we, um, and I was just like standing outside the, the pit area and someone got thrown out basically and his head clocked my head you know and i was just like i just kind of shook it off whatever i was fine whatever but then over the next few days or like the headache wouldn't go away and i finally just went to the to the hospital so I, and i had and i ended up having a small concussion i was like you Definitely got a concussed by that guy's concussion. Right. So, and for, and for like a month, dude, I was having this weird, like, problem with, like, you know, short-term memory and stuff. I was, like, forgetting oh. shit for, like, a month, like, really quickly. And it was, it was just really weird. <laughs> I felt like, like, the, the next few days, I just felt like I was a little drunk. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> what happened to me? <laughs> All right, um... These days, you know, um, what are you working on these days? Right now? Yeah. Oh, God. I'm having a, I'm having a crisis. Always, always having a crisis. This is a good crisis. It's An like artistic a crisis. Yes. All right. Artistic. Well, I'm trying to decide what's next. Like, I, I have, I'm sure, you're probably figuring out this now because you're talking to me, like, in my environment. I got my legs kicked up. I got my knitting in my hand. I'm, like, at peace. This is about as calm as I get, and I'm pretty overactive. <laughs> overactive. <laughs> I, I exude what my brother would call ADHD music energy. Like, I just have a lot of shit going on in my brain all the time. And so I have a lot of ideas all the fucking time. And they're, they fall into, like, two camps, right? Like, they're either supremely depressing, sad, like, horror, blood shit, um... And then really dumb stoner comedy stuff. And so right now I'm trying to pick between what, and I have to like choose one of each category to do. Otherwise I get like too out of control if I do the funny stuff for too long. Um, and I get too depressed if I do the sad stuff. So I balance it out one of each. Okay. So I'm trying to decide, I know that I got to finish up Photogon this year, uh, which is like a, Photogon, it's like a uh, 
cross between like dude where's my car and cthulhu <laughs> kind of that that 90s like friendship bullshit road trippy kind of feel right. um but then it's also got lovecraft monsters so i really like that um and so i'm working on that always uh and then i'm debating what my next big sad project's gonna be because i've got something out with my uh editor and collaborator on photography nadia uh oh crap oh no I'm getting a robocall. Um, scared the shit out of me because my Fitbit started buzzing. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I got a bug. I was. Uh, so, uh, anyway, anyway, <laughs> I was frightened by this thing I wear on my wrist. I uh, so I'm, I'm working on photography right now, um, and then Nadia and I are pitching around this uh, comic called The King in Yellow, which is actually one of the first collaboration comics I've ever done. I usually work on my own. Um, and it's a story about coming to terms with like cultural identity and mental illness uh, mm -hmm. through the lens of uh, Carcosa and The King in Yellow, which is a really, like it's a story that I really like. I think Chambers was better than Lovecraft as a writer and less shitty of a person. Um, so I'm excited to do work with that. Um, but, you know, alongside that, I have to decide, you know, am I going to do more Punk's Wind stuff, um, which was like a short, was like a, I'm trying to describe, so I'm, I'm assuming like, do you, this is, is going to sound kind of rude, uh, but do you, do you know anything about my past work, what I've done? Um, I don't know if Liana told you any of that stuff. Um, very little. I'm just, you know, whatever I can see, like in your, you know, on your store or your website or in, and on your um, Twitter page. Okay, I'm just Roxy. Shut up. <laughs> um, they're all they're all watching me now, so they'll will come over. We'll come over. Um, so I just want to I just want to know if I have to give like a rundown on on what everything is. Yeah, go oh, give a quick God. rundown if you can. Huh? Yeah, give a quick rundown. Yeah, so I work on Photogon and Loathing, which is the... One moment. Pardon me. <laughs> Shut up. Why are you the worst ever? Come here. Come here. Come here. Oh, come on. Scoot. I'm scooping you. Uh-uh. Oh, you're all wet. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. Come on. Come on. Stop yelling. Okay. All right. All right, all right, all right, all right. So the, the the thing is like you could either have the studio which is loud with construction or the home which is loud with bird. Yeah. Uh, so you get bird. Oh, she's all wet. Um. So I do photography and loathing, which is a Lovecraftian stoner comic that details uh this like basically the the night after a huge fucking wasteway party. Uh, all these guys end up in this Lovecraft dimension, and it's just kind of a it's a comedy about. This is gonna sound really depressing. It's a comedy about when when a friendship is ended and you can keep it going. Yeah. Like that late twenties, everyone's starting to kind of drift apart and have their own lives, kind of feel. But it's also like stupid nineties humor shit. Um, so it's got like beaten up old racists and weird body humor horror, and it's it's just a very weird, uh, stupid thing. But the tagline I always use is it's like. Dude, where's my car in Lovecraft? <laughs> so nice. it's 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 funny. It's it's very very stupid. Um, 
and then I do uh, I Am Coming Home, which is the sequel to a book that I did called We Are in a Dark Place, which had a basically was like a series of short stories I had done in the shared universe. Um, and it was very, very, very bleak. And so it had a lot of very atmospheric elements to it. And, and it was mostly just an excuse to draw backgrounds. Um, and then I did Punk's Win, which was a collection of comics based off of songs by different bands that I liked. Okay. Uh, so I did one. Um, the one that people most know from that is Pine Point, because uh, Pup promoted that a little bit more than anyone else and put it in the, a couple of their zines. Um, but I also did a Descendant song and a Fiddler song and a World Inferno song. I did something else. What the fuck was it? Maybe that was it. Maybe I only did like four. I guess maybe I only did four. Weird. Um, <laughs> so I did that. And then I did a book called Nosferatu, which was like my big thing from last year. Okay. Um, and so that was just a updated graphic retelling of Nosferatu. And that kickstarted last January. The books are actually like being delivered to the warehouse tomorrow. Like all the books. I had to air freight some from China. Not China, Malaysia. Um, and uh, I got those in time for Emerald City. And I'll have them up at like TCAF and shit like that. Um, and then I'm doing work on... What are we doing now? Did work on Adventure Time, Rock is Modern Life, some Invader Zim stuff, some Rick and Morty stuff. Oh, I'm trying to think like what else. Oh, I did Casketland, which is like a big, uh, basically, uh, the tabletop RPG where you beat each other to death with shovels. <laughs> oh, it's nice. <laughs> kind of really weird, occult, bleak Western stuff. Um, it's fun. It's been fun. And, and that's like at the printers today. I'm getting the PDF ready to go out next week. Yeah, it's wild. Trying to think if there's anything else that I do. Other secret things. Oh yeah, you got things things in the pipeline that you can't talk oh, about right now. A lot of things in the pipeline that I can't talk about. <laughs> uh, which is a problem. You uh, uh, yeah, you mentioned earlier, you know, about deciding what you wanted to do next and yeah. the variety of things that you do. You know, what's what sort of goes in your mind to what you want to do next? It's a sort of like keeping, you know, keeping that variety in your life in regards to your projects just so it doesn't get stale or even for your own mental health. I think a lot a lot of like switching between because they've left to my own devices. I would be doing really sad comics all the goddamn time. It would, all the time <laughs> in place. It would just be really sad because I, I like that stuff and, and working through kind of violence through other a lot of what i do is like being trapped in these these roles that you just can't escape no matter what you do um and that's how i feel a lot of the time so working on those comics helped me helps me process those roles in my own life but mm -hmm. you know you get super depressed so then i code switch over to photography not code switch um i switch over to photography and uh start doing like the funny stuff to kind of boost my mood um but I, I only do that because people get really concerned. Uh, I get I get super super like depressed. I get super depressed um, with a lot of yeah. I, I overwork and so I get depressed, and then I, I'm working on sad stuff, so that makes me even more depressed. And then I don't see anybody, and then I'm depressed. And 
you know, you get sucked into that cycle. And so after a while, friends of mine were like, look, you need to do a funny project. You're a funny person. You need to do a funny project. And I was like, okay. So that's what Photogen was. And I'm trying to decide kind of the fate of where Photogen's going to land right now. Um, and, you know, if King Yellow is going to land somewhere and that makes my decision very easy, then I have to work on those two projects. But, you know, if, if I have a little bit more time, I have to decide what priority I want to work in. Do I want to work on Photogen first? Do I want to work on King and Yellow or I'm coming home first? Like how, there's not really insight. It's just kind of figuring out what project is best for me in the moment or what project needs to be done. And I, God damn it. <laughs> um, he's just, he's just in his box singing. Right. Um, so I don't know. I guess it's a hard question to answer. I, can you repeat it? Can I try again? We're going to do over. Please Kelly, let me have a do over. No, actually, um, but let's extend on something that you, um, actually just said, you said that when you, um, do the sad comics and you actually would do those probably more often if left to your own devices, that it, it sort of helps you process things in your own life. You know, what have you learned from doing those comics or just any of the comics in general about your own, you know, personal things. So I'll talk, it's, it's two different things. I'll talk about I'm coming home first and then I'll talk about Photogen. Don't, don't let me go grandpa Simpson on you. Cause I will ramble. Um, <laughs> uh, I have, I have disorganized thinking pretty bad. Like it's, it's just a symptom of, of what I got. And so I, I get off track super, super easy. So feel free to interrupt and guide me back. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I, uh, with I Am Coming Home, it focuses a lot about the dynamics of someone running from being a bad person, right? So, like, the, the working theory is, like, if you are a bad person, you you just are. Like, you can't escape that. And so he tries to do these good works or help people, but at his core, he is still a bad person, so the results end badly. And I know that every everyone... When people say, like, oh, I'm a bad person, people like to comment and push back against that. But at our core, we all have these bad elements about us, and we try to do good works to overcompensate for them. Um, at my core, and what I've learned through working on I Am Coming Home, I am a selfish person, right? So, like, I, I prioritize uh, a lot of my I – am, I am in both parts a selfish and selfless person. I, I prioritize – my own working needs above a lot of other needs like interaction with people or, um, <laughs> I'm trying to like say it without sounding like an asshole. Like I, I, I would prioritize my work if left to my own devices. Right. I would just do that until I drop dead. Yeah. Um, and that's selfish. Like it, thinking that you're, you're so important that your work has to be out there and that you'd be willing to sacrifice everybody else to, to complete that one task is really selfish. And that's something that a character in my book does is he's got to complete this task and he's kind of blinded to everyone else who falls around him. In that same vein, I'm also very selfless and I will do anything that I can to make sure that other people are happy, prioritizing their happiness over my own. And so I get into these very, very self-destructive holes. I am coming home is actually a, a story told in two parts. It's, the story of Balor um, and the story of Tethra. And Balor is a very selfish individual trying 
to focus on achieving this one goal, this one goal that he's blinded to. And then Tethra, who is trying to battle with his own, he, he got himself into a very bad situation because he was willing to prioritize someone else's happiness over his own. Um, and coming to grips with that and realizing that you can't blame you can't blame other people for that. That's an internal thing. So it's it's the story of that. So working through that's been kind of sh- shitty because I'm like, oh my god, I'm I am more like these characters than I know. Minus the whole like blood soaked, eyeless magic shit, you know. <laughs> um, You're kind of eyeless. I am. Well, just just um, that's something funny too. Is like a lot of my a lot of my characters are missing a left eye, <laughs> and I still have my left eye. I can't really see out of it all that great. Just blobs. Uh, so I always. <laughs> Take that one. <laughs> That's the one. And when I had a in Photogen, one of the characters um, is revealed in issue two to be missing an eye that he keeps a little dime bag full of weed behind in his empty eye socket. <laughs> um, and so I did that because a friend of mine was like, oh, this is the only story where you haven't poked someone's eye out. I was like, well, now I got to fucking poke his eye out, I guess. Um, so that's, that's, I'm coming home. That, that's kind of the, the deep shit I'm working through on that one. And then with Photogen, it's this, it's, it's written as a funny book, right? It's, it's just basically the whole goal is to make it feel like you've hung out with friends that you've known since childhood. Um, but underneath that is kind of this darker thing that I didn't realize I was putting in until my editor, Nadia grabbed it and it's of growing apart. And especially like in my, I didn't have a lot of friends uh, growing up. I moved from Arizona to Missouri. I had a huge mental breakdown when I was in fifth grade. And after that, coupled with being uh, very different from everyone in this very rural Catholic school, um, I had a really hard time making friends. And so I developed this personality trait where I will, I will try to hang on to people for as long as I can. Like I, I will do a lot to make a friendship work, um, which ties into self-destructive stuff, I guess. Um, but there's a point where you're just not the same people that you were and you have to grow apart. And yeah. so a lot of this, the stuff in Photogen is you've got these four friends together, all radically different people who had very, very close bonds, did everything together when they were growing up and through college. And now they're in their like mid twenties and life is calling and they're not, they're struggling with letting each other go. Um, in particular, there's two characters in the book, Hurry and uh, Frank. And they, they've been bonded over losing a parent and kind of growing up into being what their single parent didn't want them to be. And you would think that it brings them closer, but one of them fucked off to New York to write for a while and the other one started a cult. So <laughs> they... They they grew apart and now they're they're back together. They have to get out of uh, this plane of Loran together, but they're really not friends anymore. And they they struggle with caring about each other, even though they're not friends. They grew apart in a really severe way. And you know, once you grow apart like that, can you get that friendship back, or is it just time to let go? So Photogen is a lot of that underneath a bunch of stoner humor. Right. Um, <laughs> It's 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 secretly sad, uh, but portrayed is funny. And yeah, what you just were talking about with both of those stories uh, reminds me of something I've been thinking about while reading a few other books. Is that 
when we when we're growing up, when we're in school, you know, there's kind of like this these roles that kids are put on, you know, there's the good kids, there's the bad kids, you know, all through school and they're reinforced by the other kids. Then they're also reinforced by the parents and the teachers. And when, and all, but when you kind of look, look back when you're older, you see that there's a lot of like the quote unquote bad kids that ended up growing up to do a lot of amazing things. And then there's a lot of the good kids that grow up to really, fuck over their lives, you know, and it kind of, you think about it, like, what really is a good kid? What really is a bad kid? And it's, it's really like, there's, there's sometimes when a bad kid is just acting a certain way because in their life, it's, it's, it's survival. They might not have all the opportunities. So maybe they do need to go steal and do certain things. Whereas the good kid might just be a good kid because they're just following what everybody else said, but they're not really learning how to really understand life properly. So it's a really, so I've been really thinking about what's a good kid, what's a bad kid. And, you know, I feel like that's something that you've really had to deal with over your life. Well, I, I've never, I, a lot of my, I'm a bad kid comes from internal stuff. Like I, because of, of growing up the way I did, I have to have a very, very, I have to be very blunt with how I behave and what, and what I see in the world. And so the criteria that I cho- I choose to decide what is good or bad is usually, <coughs> um, um, I know there's like, you know, good intentions, bad outcomes, but there's the other one where it's, um, uh, good intentions, uh, great outcomes. I, I think that a lot of times, like, especially, like, I live in St. Louis. This is an area that's had a lot of, has a lot of issues with deciding what's good and bad. Um, that is, unfort- like, just straight up tied to racism. St. Louis has a huge problem with that. And so yes. when you think about, like, you have, you start to have to decide, like, what what crime is is truly punishable. And that, that skews the way that you think about a lot of things. We've had a lot of, of black men be shot for no reason, essentially. And so the media, and especially like a lot of, St. Louis is divided between a city and a county. And a lot of the county folks automatically assume, and a lot of rural white folks in in Missouri assume that these guys deserve to be killed, and they they didn't. And so an an argument that people use is, you know, um, you know, they're bad guys. They were doing criminal acts. But I guess then the the point of, of destroying someone would be then that you are protecting people from doing good, but you're not really protecting people because you're killing people. Um, and so for, can we, can we like scrap all of that, please? Um, <laughs> sorry. No, I, I got, I got way up in my own head. That's um, fine. Yeah. I'll, I'll just, I'll just edit that out from when you started. Please, please, please. Um, I don't know that there's, there's, I think that sometimes people with good intentions do bad things. And I find that an easy, more easy to learn from than people who can, who, who think that they're doing good things and never recognize that what they've done is, has gone wrong. Ah, fuck man. I don't know. I don't know how to explain my way out of this. <laughs> uh, no, you were, you were, no, you were, uh, you were explaining it very well before you No, I, I understood what you were talking about. It's, it's hard. Like I, my, my idea is skewed, right? I, I think that I'm willing to forgive. 
I'm willing to, I think that if you do things that hurt other people, you are bad. If you do that intentionally and you never learn from it when people say, hey man, you fucked up, this really hurt. That's bad. I'm less, I don't feel like, I would rather people not steal, right? Especially from like, I don't want people to steal from like artists and and people who are just trying to make a living. But I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for rich people who get fleeced. Um, and so I think a lot of like my, what's a bad kid? A bad kid would be someone who harasses another kid for being queer or a white person who discriminates against uh, other people just because, you know, they're racist. Like that's, that's bad people. They're not going to learn. But if you, I think that if you're a bad, if you're a bully and you're bullying because you're having a really hard time at home and as you grow, you realize that's what you've done and you're able to atone and become better. I don't think you're such a bad person anymore. Um, I think that if you are growing up in a community that is, uh, by and large, the same sort of people, you're not going to have the opportunity to learn truly how to be a better person. Um, and so you're going to have to do a lot of work to figure that out. Um, but I think if you're willing to put in that work, you're a good person, even if, even if you were bad before. Ooh, I hope that made sense. No, it, no, I totally did. It's just like, um, cause, cause what I've been thinking about is like, cause I'm, I'm reading these books where somebody's kind of thinking about some of the, the stupid shit that they're doing as, as a teenager with all their, you know, other friends mm -hmm. and by, you know, and I know the person too. And I'm, you know, I think he's a good person. Yeah. And I think a lot of times there's like, like there's certain things like if you're being a racist or whatever, and you don't understand that your bad behavior is bad behavior and you never change it, you're a bad person. But yeah. if it comes to, if you, if it comes to a point when you make an action to change yourself, and realize that what you were doing was shitty, then, you know, I feel like, you know, you, you're no longer a bad person. You can, you know, you can start to grow, you can start to grow. And I feel like a lot of times the distinction of what a good and bad person is sometimes hangs around. People get sort of, you know, stamped that like a scarlet letter and yeah. they're, they have a hard time getting past it, even, you know, past that earlier distinct you know thing of their past you know so you can't once once you've done it you've done for i don't think that's i don't think that's a, like it's the only thing that happens on the internet and i've i've known a lot of people in real life who have been really they have acted badly out of ignorance right yeah. and so and that's its own thing is acting badly out of ignorance and, and not experience is its own thing and it's it doesn't make the action any less bad but it makes learning from it, I think a little bit easier. Um, I have known people who have acted badly out of ignorance and they have in person always, uh, apologized or tried to atone for it. And I see that a lot in the real world, people who are called out in the real world. Like it's a personal thing. Like if you have someone telling you face to face, this is really hurtful behavior. A lot of times I've noticed people can change. I see that less on the internet. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's scary to me because so much, the internet can feel so all-encompassing. It can feel like everything happens there. And that's not true. Right. And I, 
I wish that people could, like, it's so weird. Like I see people online who I know that if they were confronted with this in, well, I guess I don't know for real, but I think that if they were confronted with all this shit in real life, face to face, they would change. Absolutely. But I watch them dig themselves into these deep holes online. And I'm like, God, if only you thought the person on the other side of this was real, if you would change your behavior so fast. Um, but it takes a lot of work. It takes so much work. And on the flip, I feel like a lot of times if there's people doing good work, you know, and you feel like they're doing good work, I feel like you should, you know, tell them that they're doing good work <coughs> in a specific way. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, your, uh, your art's good. Your art's dope, yeah. you know. You know, give a specific reason or whatever. You know, I just told somebody that I've known for a while, I'm like, you know what? You've always kind of been there. You always kind of give me uh, very, you know, tough love advice. You always kind of bust my balls about things. And I really do feel like you're one of my best friends. Yeah. And, you know, and I feel like that made made our friendship better, you know. And I feel like that's – and I've been doing that a lot more lately, you know, given specific, you know, like – feedback about how people have positively affected my life yeah yeah like when you're going when you're when you're working on all these sort of different projects also and you're kind of dealing with your own sort of obstacles what do you you know what is your sort of working process how do you sort of deal with your own self uh, it's different again for like things like I'm coming home and punks win and photogan. They're, they're all very different projects. So they all have very different processes. Uh, photogan is an Eldritch stoner comedy. Um, so that's a lot of the process. Uh, <laughs> 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 so, um, I will typically have a treat and then sit down uh, I usually create a playlist, um, and Photogon says it's a, a comic that's supposed to be about feeling good. I sit down to write it in a place where I feel really good, right? So I'll usually like try to go out and have a night with friends beforehand. So I'm I'm coming off that good friend energy, and I'll I make playlists for every issue that I do, um, that I I listen to while I write. I'll do that if I get bored and I want to go watch like a dumb '90s movie. I'll go do that and. Um, you know, it's a very, very easy, fun process, and it, it kind of flows from me pretty easy. Um, I Am Coming Home is really deliberate, like a, and especially, like, any any project. I say I Am Coming Home, but that deals with a lot of, like, my very bleak horror stuff. Usually I have to go out of my house to write that. I'll go to a coffee shop or something, and I'll put on some really sad music, and I'll get deep into my own sadness. Like I'll, I'll, it, the playlists are called soul cleansers or sad bastard or something like that. And they're really just sad things, sad <laughs> atmospheric things. And I use it to kind of clear out a lot of my, a lot of my feelings and just kind of think about gruesome stuff, I guess. <laughs> um, for that one, I do a lot of research into Irish mythology. So I kind of have like a little folder of that that'll pop up sometimes to reference if I want to, or, I have like some Pinterest boards with some landscapes on that. And I'll look at that for inspiration. Punk's win is, is super weird. And it looks like there might be a volume two coming up in the next year. And so I'm kind of preparing for that process again. Um, and so since each song is based off of a, each comic's based off a song, I will 
listen to an album that I know I want to do a song off of or an artist I'll do a song off of. And then usually if I'll get like one song on there that just has this very clear story in my head, just right away, fully formed, which is super weird. Uh, <laughs> and I'll do that song. And it, I've done songs that I don't even like because I, I just have this visual so strong in my head. Okay. And so that's Punk's Win. Nasratu is just Inktober. I watched Nasratu like 90 times. <laughs> that was, that was Nasratu. Um, I did another short last year for Inktober called The Bones of This Place. Hey, hey, knock it off. Stop it. Stop it. Sorry. Um, she's fucking destroying all my items, all my material goods. Whoa. Get away from me, bro. <laughs> um, she, uh, so Bones of This Place was inspired by the record of Peter Iredale and occupying spaces. It felt weird. Uh, it felt like I shouldn't be there, like I was arriving too early. And so I did a whole story about arriving too early to this lonely place based, <laughs> based off of Peter Iredale. So that was the process for that one. They're all a little bit different. Can you knock it off, please? Destructive. Um, this is the part of the podcast where my bird tears apart my computer. Stay over there. <laughs> um, so that's kind of that's kind of the process, I guess. It's not super exciting. Well, I guess maybe maybe the photogan one's a little bit fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, write about stoner stuff. Gotta be stoned. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote when I came back from Emerald City last year, and I had a fever for like nine days. I was so sick. I was so sick and I wrote the whole thing like on cough syrup and treats and it was just, it was just ridiculous. It's, it was very funny. I felt, I felt it was funny after I had written it, which is the real like test is, can it make me laugh afterwards? Yeah. What was your thoughts afterwards? Like kind of after getting off that, like that, that sick high and looking at it. It's so fucking weird. Like, so issue two, I was like, oh, this is, this is hilarious. Like I did a really good job with this issue three. I had to rewrite entirely because I wrote it sober and I sent it to Nadia and she was like it feels like a different book entirely why is it so sad and I was like I don't know and then I was like I do know I'll fix it and so with that one like it was hard to write just because I had I had written it out incorrectly before and then I you just have to sort of scrap a whole thing and start over but that's hard for me to do because I'd spend so much time on it um but it was funny because like I I did it and then I, I laughed after immediately after I'd written it, but the next day I really didn't think it was funny. So I tried again. Um, and then instead of reading it myself, after I was out of a good headspace, I gave it to a couple of friends and a couple and my partner to read, to see if it made them laugh. And that was my, my test on that one was, did it make other people laugh in the way that I felt they should be laughing? Um, and it did. So it's done. <laughs> so. I always like to ask this on the podcast interviews is the, if anybody listening to this podcast, you know, doesn't matter what sort of avenue of artistry that they're in, if there's like a nugget of knowledge from your life or career that, that they could sort of project into their own, what would that be? Ooh, this is going to suck. Uh, exercise. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, exercise that sounds so crazy but like you're sitting on your ass all day long creating and you get really into these worlds that you're creating but they're not real your body is so real and it hurts all the time 
<laughs> like I, I really didn't, I have, I have felt that my art has gotten stronger, um, in the, the year and a half that I've been seriously working out, like really taking the time to, uh, step back from what's in my brain and interact with what's, what my body's doing. And, um, I would recommend that to anybody. When I taught classes, actually, that was something that I, I talked about was I had wanted to, um, incorporate 30 minutes worth of, uh, exercise three times a week for my class. I ended up not doing it cause it's like, that's kind of a, a fucked up thing to do. Um, but my, my thoughts on it are like, you get out in the real world and you see, like, even if your exercise is just a 30 minute walk, you're engaging with your physical body and the area around you. You're definitely going to get a nugget of story out of that at some point, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon you'll get something. Right. Um, like when I, when I, when I pretended that I was going to run, <laughs> which I don't do because running fucking sucks. Uh, I found a little Easter egg full of weed in my neighborhood and I left it there. Um, because I, I feel like you maybe shouldn't just like be picking up Easter eggs full of weed out of your neighbor's lawn. Um, <laughs> but like that was definitely, I was like, I'm definitely going to use that in a story later. Like, and honestly, like having like that little hidden compartment behind Dan's eye where he gets weed from is partially inspired by that little Easter egg, like that little hidden Easter egg. Um, so that was like something. And then, uh, I want to do something with, uh, tulpas at some point, And that was inspired by this man at the gym. Uh, me and my weightlifting partner would go to, um, who looked no fucking joke like my character Balor. He was kind of this weird, lanky, uh, like early forties guy with just very like very blonde hair in the way that it, it made it look like he didn't really ever go outside. Like that kind of bleached look, unhealthy look. <laughs> and he was missing his left eye. <laughs> oh damn. <laughs> yeah. So like he walked in and he was wearing these sports goggles with this big white eye patch on and I was like what the fuck this guy looks exactly like my character and I pointed him out to my buddy and I was like does that not look like my character and, and he was like uh you created a tulpa <laughs> we need to leave <laughs> you like you like you, for real like like for real created a character and it became it in real life yeah it was really upset well I mean I know that logically I did logically we're, we've just encountered this this man who wants to work out and I guess is maybe missing an eye or injured his eye or something. It was very weird. It was a very weird situation because he was he was kind of ugly in the same way that my character was ugly. So it was a very like, ugh, like very alarming situation. Um, but I wouldn't have had that experience if I hadn't gone out and tried to get my bod and work in order. Um, and so like it it sounds so fucking contrite, but you just it's it's good to just get out and do something, you know. Even if it's just wandering around for a while. Get, get in touch with the real world. Right, right. <laughs> it's not, and, like, look, I, no one no one in the podcast can, like, see what I look like. Um, but I, I think maybe at my heaviest was, like, 275. Um, and so I know that, like, getting out is – it fucking sucks, especially, like, when you're, when you're trying to combat, like, being heavier and – fucking being in pain, I guess, doing some stuff. But 
it's one of the best things you can do for yourself, for sure. And we're only going to get older and our backs are only going to get worse. And we never, fuck the way our country's going, we're never going to have healthcare. So we might as well like take the best care of ourselves as we can. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I love going for walks around uh, where I live. There's all these bike trails and everything. So there's nature and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's just really nice. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to uh, end my interviews with the same question. And that question is, who is somebody that's been a part of your life or career that I could realistically interview for this podcast that would have some good uh, stories to talk about? You're going to have a couple people. It's going to be a minute. I'm just so fucking loyal to everyone who's helped me. Um, I, if I didn't say, here's the thing. Matt, Matt's not going to want to do an interview, but I think. I could, I could make a stink enough that it would happen, but Matt Kent is the reason that I'm in comics. Okay. Um, and so he's, he's given me such a hand getting to where I want to be that I, I feel like I have to mention him even if you can't get an interview. Um, because it basically the situation was he taught, he needed money, he taught a class at the college I was going to, I took it. And then I never left him alone. And <laughs> like, I, I was going to do animation um, instead of comics. Comics is plan B for me. And after I tried to do animation and just fucking hated it, he was like, when you come back to St. Louis, just come over and help me with this pan- these pages and shit. And I did and just never left him alone. And through him, I met Brian. So that's another person that you could potentially talk to. Um, Brian Hurt and was his assistant for a while and when they decided they wanted to get a little comic studio together they invited me and that's really when things took off for me was having two people who like, I don't know I still don't really know why they took an interest in me I'm not I'm kind of annoying I talk a lot um, and I have a lot of anxiety and so especially like this past couple months I've been kind of miserable to be around but they took me and kind of helped me get what I wanted and where I wanted to be with comics for no reason other than they chose to and they wanted to do that, which is kind of, kind of awesome. And so I'm, I'm always going to be very, very grateful to them for what they did for me, uh, expecting nothing in return. And I can't wait until I get to do that for someone else. Um, I would also say, uh, Herc, um, and I'll link, I'll link you, uh, I'll give you his like Twitter and Instagram, but he's in Charlotte and I met him at Heroes okay. uh, about God, four years ago. And that guy like, just wants, I don't know, he's just a really good dude. And he does a lot of, he does comics as like kind of a fun thing. He's always drawing for himself. Um, but he's, he's kind of just about being good to people and, introducing people to other good people that they'll like. And I think one of the best things about interacting with him is he doesn't expect anything from you. He's not trying to get you to give your editor's name. He's not trying to make you work on a project with him. He's doing this because he's a good person and just wants to do it. And I feel like that's really rare in comics, especially like in the past year, I've been, I've been very, very aware of people who want to be my quote unquote friend just to get something from me. And I know if I'm feeling it as a little fish, the big fish are feeling it harder. <laughs> right. And 
having someone who just wants things to be good for everybody is, is a real treat and really, really, I think underappreciated in comics. I think those kind of people are important. Um, Vita Ayala, I think would be another really wonderful person to talk to their, their phenomenal writing. Yeah. Wow. They're phenomenal writing. They're a really good author. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love her. I love, yeah, I love, yeah, she, um, yeah, I've had her on a podcast. Yeah. Oh, wait, you have? Yeah. Oh, damn. Well, never mind then. You already know about them. Uh, what about <laughs> Danny? Danny Lore. Yep. I've been fucking dying to work with them since I read one of their first short stories last year. And I get to work with them on Deadbeats. And so they'd be a really fun person to talk to. Although I've, I've never heard their voice. I've never talked to them in, in the meat space. Yeah, I just had Danny on the podcast also. Are you kidding me? Okay, okay. What about Nadia? I haven't had, Nadia had No, I haven't had Nadia. Let's get let's get you Nadia and then let's get you Kristoff. Let's get you an Australian to talk to. <laughs> um just now you you uh you're mentioning about how important like how how these people helped you and you want to be in that position also to help other people. You know, just talk about the importance of you know, having a community of creatives to be a part of and to be able to help each other out. Oh my God. Uh, it's invaluable. Like I, I always had Matt and Brian. I knew. Um, but I largely, because I'm not, I'm not doing all my, <laughs> all my comics are no touching. Right. So like people only touch each other to commit acts of violence there's not a lot of love in my books. And so I've always felt kind of ousted from the uh, queer comics community because of that, even though that's not, I don't, I think that's a self-imposed uh, exclusion. Um, so I never really felt I had community there. I never really felt I had community with like the old school horror guys because they were all a bunch of middle-aged white dudes who had done their own thing without me for so long. They didn't need me. And so I felt no kinship there. And I felt uh, no kinship with a lot of the other um, like we want more women in comics kind of people either because they, they didn't really like, it always felt kind of like they wanted more people just like them to be in comics. And if you're not, if you don't fit that expected role, it can be difficult. So I, I felt really alone for a really long time. It wasn't really until, uh, I met Herc, um, and he introduced me to, uh, Kelly Williams, Dave Jordan. Hey, 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 come on. No, 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 don't fall. I got you. I got you. I got you. You're good. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Um, you're fine. Oh my God. <laughs> you can't, I'll take a picture. Oh my God. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Where are you? One sec. I got to deal with an explosion of birds. Okay. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, all right. Here. Come here. Come here. Come here. All right. You come here. You're, you go back. You can stay up there, buddy. You're fine. Oh my God. Killing my life. <laughs> Fucking birds. Um, uh, I think my UPS package is being delivered. What a treat. Um, so I, I felt really alone and it wasn't until like Kirk introduced me to a couple people that I started kind of finding my people through him, through Kelly. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm trying to think of like now how I met everyone that I, I would consider like my my comics people because like i don't know how i met liana no idea at all i have no idea how i met vita i have no idea how i met danny i don't know how i met nadia well i do know how i met nadia i met nadia at a 
new creators breakfast at Emerald City last year and through her I met Kristoff. But like, you know, I really don't know how I met all of these people, but I know that I met, the catalyst started when Herc invited me out for dinner just for fun. And, and because of that, when I go to conventions, I, I try to do that. Just pick someone I think is kind of cool and feel them out and see if they could be a new friend. Right. Uh, sometimes it works and sometimes it super doesn't. Uh, I'm a polarizing figure, I think. But um, I've been really, really lucky to have this community that's not necessarily based around comics alone. Um, a lot of it is based around music. A lot of it is based around, um, I hate to say it, but werewolves and other monsters. Uh, you know, you, you meet people that way and it's organic. Um, and it's, it's nice to have a home of people who care about you despite um, not maybe knowing you super well in real life or I don't know. There, you can tell when someone wants to be your friend because they like you versus they want something from you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's oh, definitely. the most important community to have is one that's not trying to hate fuck itself to death. You, you, have, to, you have to be able to get excited for people who get – <clears throat> projects even if you wanted them you have to if you say that you want to support people you actually have to support them um even when they get like a good example would be like i i tested for invader zim last year um and then became kate, uh, really close friends with a local creator named kate sharon who i later found out had gotten that gig that i tested for she had tested for it as well and I was, I, I joked with her. I was like, oh, you, you took my job. And she got really nervous and upset. And I was like, fuck, I hope you know I'm just kidding. Like, I'm, I'm just joking. Like, I, I'm really excited for you. I'm, I'm glad you got this job. Like, this is really great for you. I'm excited. I was just being shitty. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I, I felt terrible because I didn't know her that well. And, and we know each other really well now. She's actually moving into the studio today. Like, after this podcast, I'm going to go help her move. <laughs> okay, word. But, like, she she was someone that I, I met and you could tell like when I had made this joke, she was like, Oh fuck, I screwed over another creator. I did this. This is my fault. I shouldn't have gotten this. Like you could just see all that passing over her face because it's passed over my face before when I've gotten a gig someone else wanted. And I've, I realize now that being excited for other people and their achievements is, is imperative to having a, a good core group of comic friends. You want people who are excited for you no matter what. And you can only find that through interests outside of comics, I believe. Like, you have to have another hook. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I see that all the time. Because uh, I've, I've been more in the music scene here in Detroit, you know, over mm -hmm. the past, since I was like 18, you know. So, um, my, you know, my best friends here in the music scene are people that, like, I relate on other things, like, you know, like liking pro wrestling or something else, you know, it's, it's those other things, those other just human things that if you just love, if you're in the music scene and you just are connected by either just music or getting drunk with each other, then it's not really good friendship. But if it's other things, you know, they connect you then that's when it becomes a good friendship. I have a, a very weird specific Detroit question to ask you. Oh, go ahead. So then we're going to turn this podcast on the head, and I'm going to ask you questions. Good. I want that. Questions. I want that. I want more people to ask me questions on here. I'm going to ask you so many questions. So one, uh, oh, this is, okay, it's not shameful. I've decided I'm not ashamed. I have loved a band called, well, I guess it's one dude who has like eight different bands with different names with all kind of the same band. Do you know who Celldweller is? 
he, I think his name is Clayton with a K, a K and he's a Detroit local. Oh, wait a minute. Um, yes, I know. I know Clayton. I've interviewed him before, um, back when <laughs> I was writing, it's not for this podcast, but, um, back when I was writing for, um, Huffington post, I did, uh, interview him. Um, yeah, I know exactly who that is. I loved Seldweller growing up. Like there are a couple holdover bands from like when I was a kid that I still really love now. Like World Inferno and Friendship Society, I still really love. Mischief Brew, I still love. Tub Ring, I still yeah. love. I still love Tub Ring. God, I love Tub Ring so much. Uh, and Cell Dweller. And all of his subsequent, like, 8,000 other projects. Yeah. Um, which are, like, I think Circle of Dust, which I fucking, oh, I love Circle of Dust. Yeah. Uh, but I like his, his music because he, it feels like I'm watching a movie, but I don't have to watch the screen. I can just listen to the music. Yes. Uh, but I know he's a Detroit local, so I just wanted to ask if you knew him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I... I um I I got in touch with uh, his people a few years ago, so I continue to get their uh, promos from the the fixed label and all the wow. other stuff, and it's all like really great. And yeah, he has like a million freaking pr- different aliases and projects and stuff. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I no, I'm I'm a big fan. Does he ever do live shows? I don't know. Like I never see anything. Like I've always thought about that too. I'm like. I never see any show announcements for him at all, like nothing. And I'm like, I don't ever see any show announcements for anybody on that label, even the other people. So I'm like, those shows because like I feel I love that band when I I guess that guy. Yeah, I just want dude. So I guess it's not a band; it's just a dude. I love that dude. Like in high school, and like I would watch The Matrix a lot because I think all people like me watch The Matrix way too much. Um, and I was like, oh God, if I went to one of his concerts, I'd get my floor length leather jacket, my industrial boots. And I would just, I would be so cool. Uh, I always feel like going to a live show on anyone on that label would be like going to that, that fucking rave in the second matrix movie. <laughs> and I really want to go. I don't I don't know if they do shows. Like I've never seen like a a show announcement for anything. I feel like this is something that we could make happen. Next next time we do this, get Clayton with a K on here and interview us both together and I'll ask him a bunch of questions about when he's gonna create this fucking matrix rave of my dreams. So, well yeah, we'll we'll try, we'll try to figure that out. You seem like you're not gonna do this for me and I, I feel like you should. That that <laughs> He'll be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't want to talk to this weirdo. <laughs> Who are these weirdos? Okay, look, Clayton, this is what we're going to do. Uh, <laughs> we have an idea. <laughs> freaking St. Louis, our birds are flying all over the goddamn place. <laughs> she wants to have a Matrix rave, so she get it for them. <laughs> yeah, we, she want, we want to do a Matrix rave, you know. Marie we'll, Anger wants to do a Matrix rave, so Clayton, chop chop. We'll, we'll invite the birds. Yeah. Oh, no, they'd hate it. No, they'd hate it. <laughs> They would hate it. Look, it's it's so hard. I I could have put them in a cage, but but they would have been so sad. Are they just I, flying around your place? Yeah, I live in a one bedroom too, so it's very small. <laughs> like uh, I'm gonna ex- here's here's a cool little podcast segment. I bet no one has described the layout of their apartment. No. Uh, but it's a shotgun style apartment, so it's like our living room um, and our studio are kind of connected. Before you get into our like creepy old kitchen bathroom bedroom combo. Uh, so the birds basically have free range of the whole house, but they, they typically don't go into the bedroom. Um, 
and they're not supposed to go in the kitchen, but lately the old one's been getting up on the cabinets. Uh, but they just basically, like, when we're home, they're out doing their own thing, and sometimes that means sitting on us and hanging out, and sometimes that means uh, sitting in their cage and screaming, and other times it means interrupting podcasts. So, you know, they're doing their own thing. Do, do they do they know where the shit? No, they just shit everywhere. Like, <laughs> here's, like... Here's the thing. It's different. It's different than like if a dog or a cat shit everywhere. Like they're small. It's pretty self-contained. Um, so it's not so bad. Uh, but I'm also like one of these birds I've had since I was eight years old. So like, yeah, they shit, but you, you get used to it after like, how old am I now? 29? After like, wait, how long have I had this bird? Wait. Eight, like 11 years, 12, wait, 21 years. Oh my God. How long have I had this bird? Oh, I can't do math. One sec. Let like 21 years, it sounds like. Yeah, fucking long-ass time. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, after 21 years of getting shit on, you, you're used to getting shit on. Um, and it doesn't bother you so much. We do have, like, I have, like, a home hoodie that I wear that's kind of gross, I guess. And then we we usually have, like, a... Like a towel put down if they're going to be on us for an extended period of time. Like you, there's precautions, but you get pooped on. But it's not it's not the same as getting pooped on by like a cat. And it's not like an explosive thing. It's just like a little tiny pebble of poop. Oh, it, it isn't like uh like the like the pigeon poop. It's, no, like, it's no. all like all not, wet not and gross. Birds. Well, I mean, look, one of my birds has kidney problems. One of my birds, um, I love Bowie very much, and she's so sweet. But she's a fucking genetic nightmare. I don't know what, what something went terribly wrong. Humanity should have been stopped. Uh, she's like super bald and she's got terrible kidney problems. She's probably a little bit blind. And you can look into her eyes and just see that she's not all there. She's just a dullard. Um, her kidneys are kind of messed up, and so her her poops are a little bit looser. Um, but even then, like, I don't know how to explain it. Uh, and I can't believe I'm talking about this on a podcast, but I've got like this weird little poop sense (laughs) before, not always with like, so I have three birds, right? Woody, Roxy, and Bowie. With Woody and Roxy, I can't always tell when they're going to poop. They're kind of sneaky about it. And I think Roxy does it out of spite sometimes. She doesn't like me. Um, but Bowie gets like this kind of look on her face and then you know she's going to poop. And so you move her to poop off the side, and she's usually pretty good about that. But God, if you don't catch her and move her, her poops are the worst. Oh, my God. They'll ruin whatever. They'll ruin your day. <laughs> uh, but you kind of you kind of have a heads up on that. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's not like those poops that you find on your car, like. No, no. And, I mean, they're small, too. Like, their sure. cockatiels are, are pretty small birds. They're, like, maybe a foot long okay. from head to tail. Um, so they don't, they don't have like huge dumps or they shouldn't have huge dumps. God, it'd be really fucking frightening if I came home and they'd taken like a huge pigeon sized poop. Those are the worst. You look at them like, what the fuck did that what? bird what? do? They're just eating all our, our human detritus. Like birds shouldn't be eating French fries, but I know pigeons do because I've watched them do it. <laughs> I, I've been waging this war in my home. I know you talk to me about all the creative stuff and all the, like the deep stuff, but this is really what I want to be on the podcast is like these, I want to talk about my bird's poop. Yeah. I want to talk about how I'm mad that you won't get Clayton to do a, uh, uh, matrix rave for me. Uh, <laughs> I want to oh, see the other thing. I want to talk about all the weird poops that I've encountered. This is uh, no, this is great. This is great podcasting right I'm here. Excited. 
I'm excited to talk about poop. Um, so I think like the worst, the worst poop I've ever encountered um, in the wild has not been like a dog poop or a, uh, a like I used to own these tortoises or even a tortoise poop or even goose poop, which is pretty foul in its own way. Oh man, yeah, those Canadian geese are the freaking worst with their poop. It's absolutely worst. Oh crap, Rob is home. Hey, hey. I'm doing a podcast. Oh, shit, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> this is Rob. Hi, He's Rob. Actually, this ties in really well because Rob is actually doing um, a Photogen uh, uh, short right now. Yes. Which is super wild because, like, normally Photogen is super sharp and angular, but he's doing one based off the stuff called The Taste, and basically is uh, where they eat a bunch of eldritch yogurt they find out of a hole, um, just like the movie The Stuff. And they go on a super wild drug trip, and we switch styles, and Rob draws in this very, very, like, God, it's like if Adventure Time was cooler. Like, this very, very, like, bubbly street art, weird, round, trippy style. And so it really changed the whole mood of the book to go from this super hard, sharp line stuff to these very, very soft, round, weird, weird, wiggly lines. I don't know how to describe it, because you draw their, their bodies are always so, like trippy looking yeah um so it's interesting uh i will yeah it's super weird it's interesting how a style can affect a book right anyway, oh, definitely i was talking about poops um so when i was a kid uh i had a lot of tortoises but when we moved to missouri we couldn't take them with us so i got a lot of lizards um <laughs> like t- too many lizards um and we had this one bearded dragon who we got for free at a herpetology show because his siblings had bit off one of his feet um so he was kind of runty and they just gave him a for free so like his lizard's gonna die but he lived forever uh, i named him jack after jack what jack sparrow I was, just, I was like what movie came out jack sparrow but because he was missing his leg everyone just called him stumpy all the time <laughs> so i named him jack but his name was stumpy uh and this lizard was so ill-tempered that if you walked past his enclosure, and he had a nice-ass tank. He had a big, like, 75-gallon tank to roam in, to enjoy. And he would see you, and he'd hiss, and then he would take a shit like a man. Like, this lizard was, it never grew right. It was always really runty. Like, it was definitely a fucked-up lizard. But it would take these shits that, it was so large, and it smelled like a man's poop. It was so weird. Uh, and that was the worst thing I'd ever encountered. Oh, I was the worst. Lizard <laughs> <laughs> shit like a man. Wow, that sound that's crazy. <laughs> Aren't you glad you, you asked for this? You wanted more podcast talk. No, no, that was, no. This is no. This is some great podcasting right now. Love it. <laughs> man, uh, I'm trying to think like what else is good before I have to bounce. Um, okay, so. I told you about my, my love for the Matrix rave, but that, that leads me to uh, embarrassing music selection, right? So I will trade you your the band that you love the most, but are most embarrassed by. I don't wait. I don't know because I don't have guilty pleasure. So any guilty pleasures at all? No, my oh my, I, I, I own up to the things that people will say are embarrassing. I know I know what things people will might think are embarrassing. But, um, 
Like, no, I, I literally, I have an answer for that, but I'm like totally into it though. So I, it's not embarrassing to me. I don't want it to be embarrassing. I just want a secret. A secret. I just want, I just want like your new, your new guilty pleasure that you're not really guilty about. Oh, here, uh, say yours first while I think about it. I don't, I'm worried now that I'm going to say this and then you won't hold up your end of the bargain. I know <laughs> I will. No, I know you got my word. I, I, I totally will. Okay. So I, one, have gotten really back, like really into Lincoln Park again, which I think a lot of people my age are kind of having this like reawakening to Lincoln Park. Yeah. Um, but I got into it because I was watching a bunch of uh, old 90s videos with my friend Maya and um, we just kind of got lost in the Lincoln Park madness So that. But I think people can look at me and, and pretty much assume that I really, really liked Lincoln Park. Um, I think that people are more surprised uh, when I tell them that what I uh, got really, 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 really into a band called Within Temptation. I know, you're, yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Should I be ashamed? No, if it's the band that I think about, is it the? It's the the Dutch one where they. It's super <laughs> like dramatic, like, like super. Yeah, that's the one I'm talking. It's the the singing. It's like metal, but it's super epic. You know, theatrical. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's magical stuff. It's like Nightwish, but. Yes, yes, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really into that band. And I'll go through these phases where I'll, I'll listen to the albums on repeat forever. But through that band, I, and I have no idea if I'm saying this right, um, I love this this metal band that sings for some unknown reason in Gaulish from time to time called Elbute, Elbiete. I don't know how to pronounce the name at all. It's crazy. Okay. Uh, but I love them. And they came out with a new album uh, on April 5th. And I was so excited. Oh, my God. And I, I was sending it to all my friends. like, oh. You gotta listen to Pup first, but then you gotta listen to Elviute or whatever they're called. And I sent it to a buddy of mine, and he was like, I can't listen to this because it's basically like Gloria Evanescence. And I never felt so much shame as I did in that moment. <laughs> but also, it described exactly what it was. And now, every time I listen to that band, which I love, unapologetically love, but I'm always a little bit embarrassed to recommend, um, I always think now that they're basically just Gloria Evanescence. Wow, it's the, I, same, it's the same dynamic. <laughs> so dumb, so dumb. I haven't heard that band, but that sounds like a very interesting uh, way of describing I'll, it, a combo. I'll send it to you. You, you totally got to. Okay, mine is, and it's not, and it's not a guilty pleasure because I've been into this this group since I was a teenager, even before they got their attention, big attention, but. I love the Insane Clown Posse. I'm, I'm not surprised by that. I am a juggalo are, since. Are I, you a juggalo? I am a juggalo since like '95. Um, I am. I am. I love the Insane Clown Posse. I love Twisted. I love all that juggalo stuff, and I'm, I don't care I'm, what anybody thinks. I am not as surprised by it as I. I feel like I should have been. <laughs> I don't know why though. Like I, because when I. I guess, okay, here's what it was. It was the combo of metal and, and wrestling that made me not surprised. That this, <laughs> right, right. Which is interesting. Um, 
but the funny thing was is through through like all these years of liking ICP, like I've also been hugely into like the hip hop scene in Detroit. So this is like really like critically acclaimed hip hop, like the stuff that people that are fans of that would hate ICP. Yeah. But I liked it all. And so to some people, it was just like really weird that I am such a huge juggalo, but then I'm also like into this really like acclaimed, like r- real hip hop, hip hop type stuff. That's like, <laughs> you, not everything you like can be critically acclaimed, right? No, nah, no. Nah. That's a big thing. So I guess like, I'm surprised, but less, I don't know. It's endearing. I, I like finding out what people's like band that they love, but they, they don't, they're usually kind of embarrassed to talk about. I guess you're the first person I know who's just like, I'm not at all embarrassed by this. I love ICP. Right. And the, Dude, no, the thing I, is, I, when you come to like, when it comes to metal, like I like stuff that's more like, I like death core. I like death metal. I like, I like, I liked all the like the new metal stuff back in the day. I like the metalcore stuff, you know. There's some of the more serious, more, I guess, acclaimed metal that people love that eh, I don't really get into, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so even in metal, I kind of like the stupid shit more than anything else. I'm I'm always big into stupid shit. I, I oh, God. There was a band that I loved, like, early, early college called Creature Feature. Um... <laughs> Do you know Harley Poe at all? Oh, nah, nah. Uh, Harley Poe will intersect with your love of clown paint because I think he dresses up like a clown, right? Like a dead clown. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, he looks like a dead clown sometimes. And he sings this weird, like, kind of themed music. It's kind of like horror-themed, weird, like, punk stuff. He did a new album about two years ago that felt like he was angry at me, so that's kind of when I... I fell out of listening to him like the it was just a really like he was mad about something but it seemed kind of like he was mad at the listener and that came through in a really big way um but he did the he he was like this very very weird thematic artist that I really really was into for a while um where's I going with this I guess I'm not really embarrassed by it I don't know why I'm talking about Harley Poe I don't know sorry I grandpa Simpson uh, <laughs> I was talking about Creature Feature yeah. about uh, how I, I love them but I was always very embarrassed by the fact that I love them and I love them less now but I, I really loved them for a time and they were kind of like another like I really liked them but I never really wanted to talk about it because it was just kind of a weird thing to talk about I didn't want to have to explain that part of my, my inner life alright I got one more question for you and then and then I'll go I'll, I'll let you go on with your day. Okay, what's up? So, right now, not your favorite comic of all time, and not necessarily the, your favorite comic that's coming out right now, but what is your favorite comic in this moment? Like, you think about it, and you just get really excited about it. I really got excited for the first issue of uh, Little Bird. So I'm, I'm really excited to uh, continue to read it. Ooh, I gotta read that one. I think that one's in my poll at my local shop, which I should probably go pick up. I'm su- after the first um, issue. I was like, "Oh, I'm in. I'm in. I'm all in on this one." Man. So good. 
<laughs> All right. So good. That's that's the only one that I will check out and put in and and let you know how I dig. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and before we get out of here then, like where can people go online to get more information about what you're up to? So my Twitter is where I have uh, I post most about what I what I'm currently doing, be it in like very straightforward way or a very cryptic way. And so you can find me on Twitter at S O uh, is it dash or underscore? Let me find out. Uh, it's underscore underscore S O underscore E N G E R Y, which is angry. Everyone always mispronounces it as energy, but I still <laughs> make the joke is very funny. So energy. Uh, yeah. Everyone always calls it so energy, but it's so angry because my last name is anger. Right. And I added a Y. So now it's angry. Get it. Uh, it's a good joke, Kelly. It's a, <laughs> it's a great joke. Um, wait, is your real name anger? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> did you did you think it was fake? It could be. I don't know. <laughs> it's like it, it's my, it could be you know Marie Anger with the E, you know, and it could be like I don't know. It could have been it could have been just a a joke or a fake name, you know. It's my real name. It's oh. my real name. Uh, so I'm like, yeah, it's, it's my. It, I hated it for a really long time, but it, it fits my comic stuff now. Yeah, uh, my manager very punk. wanted me to try sounds... writing it with an A, so that it'd be like angry with anger with an A, and I was like, no, it's funnier this way. Yeah, uh, they hate my last name, so I'm, I'm kind of glad it works out now. Um, so you can find me on Twitter, and that's usually where I'm talking most about like what's coming up or where I'm going to be. Unfortunately, it's also where I do a lot of like just very weird Twitter ramblings, so you, you get the double-edged sword on that one. Um, I am part of Hex Studio, so we have a Patreon right now. Um, so if you just go to Patreon and you search H-E-K, uh, Hurt Anger Kent, you'll find us. And we do, that's where Photogon up, uploads. And actually right now, uh, while you can buy digital copies of Photogon and Loathing from me, um, or physical copies, in order to read them on the Patreon, you do have to pay a dollar a month, except for the, the taste, which is actually available to read for free. And is really, really goddamn funny and so so wild and fun to look at that I really recommend that. People check that out because it's free. Um, so I'm on that. I'm on Instagram at S-O underscore E-N-G-E-R-Y. And that has a lot of art, although uh, it also has a lot of bird pictures and selfies. So if you're only in it for the art, maybe not. Um, and you can see me at my next show, which is TCAF in Toronto um, in like two weeks. And then I'm going to be down at Heroes in Charlotte in June. And I'm going to be at Gen Con uh, working uh, – and also potentially running some casket lane games, which I know we didn't really talk about, but it's a fun, fun game. So yeah, that's kind of where, that's where I'm at. Um, but I'm located in St. Louis. So if you're a St. Louis local, uh, I'll probably like, if any, anyone listening to St. Louis local, I'll probably run into them at some point. <laughs> awesome. Nice. It was great talking with you, especially about the poop. Thank you. I'm glad you, I'm glad that you talked with me about the poop. I'm glad I got to tell you about the lizard. <laughs> Wait, I've been I've been saving that story for a special occasion. Um, I feel special then. Great. You are special. Now that I told you about my lizard poop and uh, the uh, my secret music stuff, will you talk to Clayton with a K about my Matrix rave? I'll, I'll I'll see I'll see what I can do. I don't know, man. I haven't talked to him in a long time, you know. So I can't. Uh, I tell you all these these beautiful gems. I can't believe it. 
<laughs> I hope you know that I'm, I hope you know that I'm just I'm just kidding. All right, that's my interview with comic book artist and illustrator Marie Anger. More information and links to where you can follow Marie online and purchase any of her work will be in the show notes for this episode at freshthepodcast.com. Now remember, go out there and live life with intensity with a capital 10. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and good night. Fresh is the word.